Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and we've got to talk about who is rising the fastest on the Steelers roster after that second preseason game where the offense and defense looked pretty good. I'm Chris Carter, your host of the show. We've got Ray Fittipaldo talking with us about who he sees rising and falling on the Steelers' depth chart and roster, all here on an exciting Monday episode brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Go to post-gazette.com for all of our content. Find this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube by searching Post-Gazette Sports or the North Shore Drive Podcast. We also have daily content that comes out video and audio-wise from all of our staff covering Pittsburgh sports here. Check it out on our YouTube page and our podcasting apps. And... We want to remind you that this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in Pittsburgh. I go there all the time myself from the North Shore, in the North Shore. Go check out there for their over 500 different available beers, 300 of being on local local beers, and 80 of those being local beers on tap. More on Mike's in a bit here. But, Ray, we got to talk a little we're – we're not going to talk specifically about the preseason game itself because that's over and done with. The Steelers looked really dominant. They finished the first half up 21-0. Um you know, it was a confident showing, but I, I think the biggest thing that everyone's looking at and we're even starting to see on national media as far as Monday morning ESPN shows, people are starting to recognize that Kenny Pickett is not the same Kenny Pickett he was last year. Is it, it, it do you believe in what you're seeing as far as three drives, three touchdowns, this offense is going to score more this year? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. I don't after watching the Tampa Bay and the Buffalo game. I don't know how you can't feel positive about where this offense is. Um, you know, you could sort of say to yourself, okay, the Buccaneers didn't play a lot of their starters, so take that with a grain of salt. But Buffalo played their starters, and they played yep. their starters longer than the Steelers did um, on Saturday night. So, um, you know, the only thing that I wish happened was, and I don't blame Mike Tomlin for, for, for pulling the starters after scoring two touchdowns, but it was only seven plays, and maybe – I just feel like maybe there was one more series in there to see, okay, can they do it again? Or, you know, what, you know, what would have happened if they went out there for a third series? But I mean, Kenny Pickett, three for four, 43 yards, beautiful back shoulder throw to Pat Fryermuth. I mean, you could tell they've been working on that stuff in practice and boom, it shows up in a game. I mean, uh, when we talked to Pat Fryermuth about it after the game, he was talking about it like it being routine. Like, yeah, it was just something you know, we worked on. And again, if you look at all three of the touchdowns, the Steelers' first team offense has scored in preseason. Again, they've had three drives, one drive against the Buccaneers, two against the Bills. 
all three of them have been touchdowns from 25 yards or or, or further or further further out. That was something that didn't happen for the Steelers at all last season. Big plays were just an anomaly to them. And I, I look at how uh, how each of the passing ones are constructed. The run play we'll get to in a bit when we talk some Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, and that situation with the offensive line too. But both the passes that, that Kenny Pickett has thrown for touchdowns in these preseason drives, the first one being to George Pickens, he looked off the safety just to create space, went back, attacked the zone in the right way for George Pickens to catch the ball, get yards after the catch, and get into the end zone. Pat Fryer with a similar situation, cover two, looks off the safety, puts the ball in a perfect position so that the linebacker, who had decent position, couldn't get to the ball, and, and also so that Pat Fryer could catch it and continue his momentum into the end zone. These were things you didn't see routinely from Kenny Pickett last year. There were moments where you could see it, but now we're seeing it not just on the touchdown pass, but in the passes that move them down the field, a third down conversion they had to Allen Robinson, similar thing. I, I think it's a good sign. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it every play all the time and he's about to become an elite quarterback, but it does mean that he has taken significant steps in the progress of his processing and how he approaches each play. Yeah, I mean, to get to that 25-yard um, or excuse me, to get to the Jalen Warren touchdown run, they had to convert a third down. And then mm -hmm. to get to um, uh, the T Tampa Bay touchdown, I think they had to convert two third downs. So you're right, that third and seven before the Jalen Warren run was big. And uh, there's no two ways about it. And I think they had to convert. I, I want to say they were like two third downs and they were both five yards or longer against the Buc Buccaneers, Chris. I'd have to go back and look at that um, uh, more closely. But the point is, you know, third and intermediate, third and long, much lower percentage than third and short. And so far in the first two preseason games, Pickett's been money on those throws as well. It's just not, you know, the pass to Fryermuth or the pass to Pickens. It's getting in position to score touchdowns after you move the chains in your own territory, right, earlier in drives. I think that's, you know, just as encouraging, <coughs> excuse me, as the big touchdowns to Pickens. Um, and a fryer. Absolutely. There's a lot to be encouraged about there. And it's, it's a little, it's just, this may sound crazy to some people, but I think you should also be encouraged by what you're seeing at left tackle and not because Broderick Jones has lit it up. I mean, he's done fine. He did give up a sack in the game, but he's, he's been fine for, especially fine, really good for a rookie, but Dan Moore jr. Is a lot better than he was his rookie year, he's. I think he's taken a step up from where he was last year, and he's looking like he's ready to hold on to the starting left tackle position, and not because of any lack of progress from Broderick Jones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Broderick Jones. Um, you know, people are freaking out about him giving up two sacks in two games, but listen, he's a young player. Um, it's going to take time for him to get used to the NFL. Believe it or not. Even though Georgia is this phenomenal program, <laughs> there is a step from college football to the NFL. So yeah, yeah you don't say. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's crazy that uh, people are saying, "Oh, he's a bust already." Please, I mean, just, let's just have some some patience and, and let's look at this with a, a little bit of perspective. Um, but more to your point, um, Dan Moore has been really good, and I, I've said this in practice, Chris. If you'd look at Dan Moore and Broderick Jones you know, have them practice in blank uh, practice jerseys, not knowing who was picked where, it would be pretty clear that Dan Moore is the better player at this point. Right. And in a lot of ways, it makes a ton of sense. The guy's got like 34 games of starting experience in the NFL under his belt. Um, uh, you know, he, he's done it with uh, 
you know, the guys around him, you know, he's learning how to play with Sam Mahler. He's playing next to the tight ends, the communication with Mason Cole. So it makes sense that he's further ahead. Um, but I still think, Chris, at some point during his rookie season, we'll see Broderick Jones out there. I just don't think it's going to be for the opener against the 49ers. And we talked about this when they drafted him, right? You know, like the Steelers, well, excuse me, not when they drafted him, when the, when the schedule was released. The Steelers are going to open up the year with Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby. There's going to be a slew of edge rushers that if Broderick Jones was to start, he's going to be facing some of the best in the NFL week after week after week. And, you know, the Steelers last year, they drafted Kenny Pickett, and they were very confident in him. And you see the progress that Kenny Pickett's made now, but they rested him for the first three games because they wanted him to ease into the process and eventually introduced him by week four. Now, when does that happen for Broderick Jones? I don't know, because you know what? Dan Moore Jr., I think, might be better at left tackle than Mitch Trubisky was at quarterback for the Steelers, and maybe it becomes a situation that they have to make some tough decisions about how they want to use him on the offensive line. But either way, I do agree, Broderick Jones's day will come, but Dan Moore Jr. has made it so it doesn't have to come before he's actually ready for it. I think that, again, that's just a very good situation for the Steelers to be in. Uh, well, Sorry, you were going to say something, Ray. No, I, I was just going to say, listen, and it's not just the idea of, oh, I'll just throw Broderick Jones in there, let him uh, learn trial by fire. What you do at left tackle directly affects how you approach your offense. I mean, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of this, but sending Pat Fryermuth out for a touchdown pass, Connor Hayward out for a touchdown pass, Darnell Washington drawing two pass interference penalties. In a lot of situations, when you have a, a tackle who isn't capable of of protecting one-on-one, who gets sacrificed? It's usually the tight end who has to stay in and block. So it's not just the idea of, oh, okay, let, let him learn by trial and error. No, what who you put out there has a direct influence on your personnel packages and, of course, your play calling as well. Absolutely. I want to talk to you about the Najee Harris, Jalen Warren situation, as well as other players who might be catch, catching your eye, Joey Porter Jr., other guys that are, that are that are working well. We'll talk about all of that here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipato. But first, I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar. We say this is the North Shore Drive podcast. Well, guess what? On the North Shore, you need to make sure you go to Mike's. Mike's is the best beer, beer, beer bar in town. And when you go there, if you're in for a Steelers game, a Pirates game, a Pitt game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park. It's a must-go-to destination, whether you're visiting town or you're here and you live in Pittsburgh and you just want a great place to go. They also have the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options with over 20 televisions that you can catch all your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, Premier League, whatever sport you're into, you can watch at Mike's Beer Bar. Come on and you can try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as 80 of those local beers being craft beers on tapped you can get a flight to try out every option that you can dream of as far as those beers and trust me you won't run out of favorites because i never do and i'm always there so don't go to mike's beer bar check out their check out their drinks i want to talk about their food in a little bit here because it's also one of my favorite places to go to for that again go check out mike's beer bar on the north shore Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm your host, Chris Carter, with Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, let's talk about the running back situation, because that's what a lot of people want to focus on right now, and it seems to be the buzz of, of social media and everything. And Jalen Warren, once again, an explosive play. 
Uh, he's done. He he did it a few times last season. This time it comes off of uh, on the Steelers' first drive of the game. Uh, the Steelers ran the ball twice with Najee Harris, got three yards each time, and I thought were were good runs. Like you know, the, the Bills' defense was just kind of located in the right spots. They were ready to defend those plays. Uh, but then Jalen Warren on a on a run play where they faked a jet sweep run direction. Caught the Bills in the soft spot of their defense. Had the offensive line blocked it perfectly, as well as Deontay Johnson, who threw a great block. And Warren takes it 62 yards for a touchdown. And so people look at that and they say, well, why isn't he starting? Why are the Steelers being so stubborn by putting Najee Harris in there? And it just makes a lot of us who cover the team just go like, oh, okay, guys, why are we doing this still? Because it's so this is such an old, old, old argument that is that is outdated here. But Ray. If you were if you were to address someone who says that Jalen Warren should be number one running back and Najee Harris should be on the bench, what would you say to that? Uh, small sample size. And that goes for Jalen Warren, and that goes for Najee Harris. That goes for the entire Steelers running game through two preseason games. I actually thought we were going to get a bigger dose um, of the running game with the starters in there. But, Chris, what can you do? Jalen Warren rips off a 62-yard run. You only play for two series. Um, I mean, I get it. You know, maybe, um, you know, if they didn't score on that run, maybe we, we would have seen more ground and pound from Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin. You know, we'll, we'll never really know that. So, you know, I think if you want to look at this, Chris, from, uh, you know, a, a big picture perspective, um, what Jalen Warren is doing, it's not just a 162-yard run in a preseason game. Mm-hmm. Guy's been really, really good in training camp. Yes, the guy is. had a really, really good rookie season. So mm-hmm. I think if you want to look at this from the big picture, let's do it this way. Najee Harris struggled in the first half of last season. They weren't really quick to pull the trigger on a you know running back 50-50 rotation. They kind of still kept Najee in there. And I understand he was dealing with an injury, but he was he was deemed healthy enough to play. He didn't have to sit out. So um, it was what it was. He, he did not have a good first half of the season. Right. So what I would say, what I would tell people is if Najee Harris gets off to another slow start, you're not going to see a 70-30 split in carries. You're going to see Jalen Warren in there more with the ones, and it might be more of a 50-50, you know, carry situation with with your two running backs. So, um, again, people are freaking out that uh, you should bench Najee Harris. You shouldn't bench Najee Harris. But if he struggles early in the season again, there's no excuse now. You do have Jalen Warren there. He's a proven commodity, and not just because of a 62-yard run. You know what that guy can do from last year, too. So now they have that in their back pocket, and I don't think they'll be afraid to go and use it either. This is where I see it. I think that Jalen Warren has put himself in a position that he is a viable number two option for if, if, like you said, if Najee Harris is, is the pace of Najee Harris isn't working in a game, you can switch it up. But like you said, with the small sample size we've seen of Jalen Warren, there's a lot of people that point to his yards per carry and things like that. A lot of his yards per carry last year were boosted <coughs> by third down, third and long draws where the Steelers were just like, hey, we're just not going to turn the ball over here. We're just going to hand it off, see what yards we can get and punt the ball away. And the defense wasn't looking for him and he'd be able to get good yards. And that's not to say that Jalen Warren's success in, in his rookie season wasn't you know, solid and 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 warranted because he did make some some hard, some good hard runs. But it's also different when you are the bell cow, when you are the guy who is getting it, and the defense knows you're getting it, and they're coming for you every single time. When you're the guy that that's coming off the bench, and the defense isn't looking for you, that's when they're like, okay, let's go look at George Pickens, let's go look at Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth. It becomes easier to make some of those plays, and I think that that's something that Jalen Warren benefits from. However, like you said, 
if he's making plays in those situations, you get you you want to find ways to get in the ball. And I do think there will be a healthy split between these two running backs, but still the lion's share of those split should still go to Najee Harris in this situation until he proves otherwise. And we even talked to him after the game, and Najee Harris was like, you know, you know, he was asked about <coughs> only getting two carries, and he said, Hey, Coach Tomlin has a plan. I'm gonna stick with Mike T. And basically indicating like, hey, this has been part of the plan. And personally, Ray, and you and I think I've, I've talked about this in training camp. We haven't seen Najee Harris take a practice over the way he had the last two years when he had practice. And I, I think that's been by design because the Steelers are like, hey, you don't need to see a practice and pra- practice hard anymore. We know what you got there. Just be ready and healthy for the start of the season because he wasn't last year and it clearly impacted his play. I mean, honestly, Chris, if we do go to more of a 60-40 split or a 50-50 split, at some point this season, I think Steelers fans have to recognize that the Steelers are merely catching up to what the rest of the NFL is doing. I mean, the, the, the days of the bell cow running back, um, you know, taking 90% of the snaps, it's over in a lot of NFL cities. And I think if you look at what happened in Dallas with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, mm. even if Ezekiel Elliott didn't fall off a cliff and, uh, you know, not earn that contract, Tony Pollard was a good enough running back. It's been proven Mm -hmm. that he deserved a lot of carries in that offense too. And you can go from offense to offense in the NFL and it's the same situation everywhere. So it might just be that the Steelers are finally going to maybe get on track and do what the rest of the NFL is doing. And they've done it before. It might've been 30 years ago before Tomlin got here, but I think I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, Eric Pegram and Bam Morris way back in the day when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, in 1995, that was a pretty good thunder and lightning tandem there, right? Your, your big burly, your big burly back who was really good short yardage, um, you know, early down running back, and then Eric Pegram, kind of your scat back guy can get to the edge, turn on the Jets, and, and maybe add a different dimension to to your offense. So, I don't know. People are looking at this as a slight to Najee Harris. I just look at it as you got a great one-two punch. Why don't you just go out there and use it? I agree. And another thing I wanted to point out, and I pointed this out on uh, Channel 11 WPXI's The Final Word Show Sunday night when we talked about it there, too. But Mike Tomlin has done this before. Like if go if you go back to his very first year where like the whole narrative about when he said, I'm going to run Willie Parker to the wheels fall off. You know, that started from his first season when he was coaching in the NFL and Willie Parker was you know, a, a major asset to the Steelers offense in 2007. And he carried the ball out of between the top two running backs for the Steelers. Uh, if you just, just looked at their carries alone between him and Najee Davenport that year, Willie Parker carried the ball 75% of the time. It wasn't, it wasn't close. He was the guy. The next year, they got Moeldy Moore, who they trusted a lot more to have the ball. And the next year, Willie Parker's share between the top two running backs dropped to 60%. And it was closer to that even share. And I think that's what you're probably going to see this year with Najee Harris. Last year, Jalen Warren got some touches in there, but he was still an undrafted rookie who was adapting to the NFL. And as much as we're talking about like Broderick Jones, we're going to talk about Joey Porter Jr. in the next segment and guys like that. Jalen Warren needed time to adapt as well. And he did a lot of things well for a rookie, but Najee Harris was still the much more polished player. Now, Jalen Warren has some polish on him. Now he's able to adapt to, to some of the minute parts of the running back job in the NFL. And so now you can give Najee Harris more of a breather. And I think, one, it will help the Steelers with the diversity that they can bring out at the running back position this year. But two, 
I think it could help lengthen Najee Harris's career as the Steelers probably want him for some time with the skills that he brings to the table because they won't be running him to the wheels wall fall off. They won't be putting him in, in, a, in a rough situation. He'll be able to come out, maybe have anywhere between like 200 to 250 carries and uh, um, and Jalen Warren has, you know, maybe like a hundred or so. And they, and they have that, that kind of a split. And I think that that is a much more healthy place for, for Najee Harris to still be an impact player for the Steelers, but also still have a long, a long, the longevity of a career that he'd probably want in the NFL. Listen, Chris, there's a lot to like about Najee Harris. Um, he's durable. He's a good leader. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the mentality that Omar Khan and Andy Weil have about imposing your will on teams. We haven't seen that in the preseason because there's no need to do that, but you're in tough football games. Um, in the second half, you want to close out a game. I think he's a perfect out of back who could do that, potentially move the chains. Um, I think what Steelers fans have to get over, um, and it's not going to change because he's not this kind of back, but he's not going to have Willie Parker or Jalen Warren type explosiveness uh, slash big playability. He, he's not the type of guy who's going to have a lot of plus 20-yard runs. That's, that's just not who he is. So uh, maybe it's just expectations with the fan base, but I, I think the Steelers – know what they have in Najee Harris. And quite honestly, I don't think he's going to be appreciated if things go well. You know, if if this line continues to progress, if Najee continues to progress, this is all going to come to the forefront in the regular season. This is definitely one area where you can't judge a lot what's happened in the preseason. I agree entirely. I want to talk about other players here. We've talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk about some of the defense on, on the other side of this. We do have some other offensive players I want to mention, but we'll do we'll do all that right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato. Another reminder that this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar. And again, I can't recommend enough the beer options that they have from 500 different available beers, 300 local beers, 80 of those local beers being on tap for you. But also, they have great food options. You go in, they have so many different great sandwiches you can try, but the ultimate piece to resistance is the steak on a stone option, the only place in Pittsburgh that offers it between Mike's Beer Bar and their neighbor, the North Shore Tavern. You go there, and when you order a steak on a stone, you can order several different cuts, several different styles of steak, but it all comes out on a heated stone right in front of you, where every time you cut off a piece, you just press it into the stone and you can get it whether you like it rare medium rare medium well uh you know well well done however you like your steak cooked you can choose that for each slice of meat with steak on a stone and then you get amazing fries great salad options on on the side and of course all those beers that I mentioned that you can try from all the different flavors, whether you like IPAs, you like lagers, you like cold beers, you like wheat beers, you like dark beers, whatever kind of beer you want, sour beers, Mike's Beer Bar has it. So go to Mike's Beer Bar on the north shore of Pittsburgh, right across the street from PNC Park. You can not only get your food fix, you can get a beer fix and your sports fix with all over 20 televisions they have there for the best best bar experience in Pittsburgh. Go, the, go to Mike's Beer Bar today and tell them that Chris sent you. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, I want to talk to you about a few different guys, but let's talk about Joey Porter Jr. 
right here because he got an interception and it wasn't like in, in a spectacular interception where it was one handed and he was against like Jamar Chase and it was but it was a it was an interception which was something that he was said it was said he couldn't do because he only had one interception in college and he said you know at, at the combine after the combine when the Steelers drafted him at at OTAs and at training camp I can catch the ball he even said it as recent as this week and he showed it in that moment and it wasn't just that he made the catch on that play. He did all the fundamentals right to put himself in position to intercept the football. He had underneath zone coverage. He had to wall his receiver off to the sideline. He did that. He controlled his spot. And when Barkley, the quarterback for the Bills, tried to throw it in his direction, he was sitting there right waiting for it like, okay, yeah, you put it to this spot and it's going to be a problem. And it was. He intercepts it. And, and you see, you know, you, you at the game too, you saw how the Steelers bench and the Steelers defense erupted for him and how excited they were to see him make this kind of, make, you know, have this moment here in the stadium where his dad played, uh, you know, for so, for so many years. I, I thought that was a really cool moment, but I also thought it was really cool how it happened. And I think it's a good sign of where Joey Porter is. The question though, Ray, is where does he fall in the priority of this defense? Because Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace also look pretty good. And it's going to be tough to just say, oh, yeah, let's 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 move one of those guys out to put in a rookie. Yeah, so I think you saw Joey Porter play a lot. Mike Tomlin wanted that to happen, and he, he made that happen. You What you want to do if you're this coaching staff is you want to figure out what your best options are right now. Um, and it might not necessarily be for the 49ers game, but going forward, when is going to be the right time to have Joey Porter on the outside and maybe put Patrick Peterson on the inside in the slot, which we've heard a lot about really since going back to the spring, but we haven't really seen it in practices and we definitely haven't seen it in games. So I don't know, Chris, maybe they're waiting to unveil that, um, you know, before the season starts, they're only going to practice twice this week. I doubt on a short week they're going to mess much with that, you know, just on a Monday, Tuesday practice schedule. So they do have the benefit of having 17 days between the final preseason game and the regular season if they want to look at Peterson in the slot and Porter on the outside. But, you know, I don't think they want to do that after one preseason game. You know, Porter's been good in practice. I think they want to give him more exposure. They want to see what it's all about. So I guess, uh, you know, the positive, he, you know, he got – Healthy, he was able to play in this game, but I do think there's, you know, some they want some more eyes on him. They want some more evaluation to take place before they go ahead and commit to playing him a lot on the outside. Agreed. And it's okay to like what you see from Joey Porter Jr. But like you said, they want to make sure that he is brought up the right way and not rushed into a situation, much like with Broderick Jones. <laughs> but what guy, I mean, there's no reason to rush him because the Steelers have probably the two best edge rushers in football right now as a combination. But Nick Herbig. I mean, this this guy, what, what is this guy made of right now, Ray? Because he's just getting sacks every week. Every, in practice, he's dominated. And then I was like, okay, let's see him do it in a preseason game. Okay, let's see him do it in two preseason games. And it feels like I keep drawing new lines for where Nick Herbig has to impress me before I say, man, what what should the Steelers do with Nick Herbig? Because T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith maybe are the best one-two edge rushing punch in football, in my opinion. But when Nick Herbig's there, what what do you even do? Because you signed Marcus Golden. What is it about Nick that's making him so special in, in his in his early part of his rookie year? And what do you see his involvement being in on the Steelers' defense? Well, I mean, I've, I've sort of changed my mind on that. I thought after they go out and got Marcus Golden, I thought, okay, Nick Herbig is going to play a lot of special teams. He'll be the number four 
I don't know how many snap uh, snaps will get a game, but it won't be significant. Um, that's out the window now. This guy can rush the passer. Um, if people watch the highlights, um, not only is he a great student of the game, you know, Chris, you're out there as much as I am in training camp. He's working with TJ Watt after practice every single day trying to perfect his craft. So student of the game, hard worker. I think the underrated aspect of his game is the athleticism. And if you watch that sack, the strip sack, the way he bends underneath the offensive tackle, braces his arm against the ground to stay on his feet, and then have the presence of mind to find the quarterback with his eyes and to get the ball out. I mean, that's the stuff of a veteran. And it's being noticed. I mean, there's national analysts out there tweeting out his tape, um, just, uh, you know, making a big deal about where he is right now. So, um, I mean, I sort of understand why he fell to the fourth round. Um, you know, 6'1", 240, there, I guess there's that question of whether he could hold up uh, against uh, NFL tackles. But through two games, I don't think there's much doubt. If he continues to um, to do what he's doing athletically, um, changing up his, his pass rush plan, I mean, this, this is a guy who can make it work in the NFL too. I think he's going to be a hidden gem in this draft for the Steelers, in my opinion. I think he is going to be a hidden gem. He certainly showed it. And one of those analysts talking about Brian Baldinger, I think did a really good clip up of a move that TJ Watt did just last year and showed how in the bills game, uh, Nick Herbig did the exact same move and made it work for both, both for sacks on the play. Like it, it's crazy. And, and, you know, Nick Herbig and TJ Watt have both talked about how Nick Herbig has been working to learn from TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith to add their moves to his game. But now, TJ Watt and Nick Herbig both confirmed to us that TJ Watt has learned to move from Nick Herbig. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? Like do the Steelers uh, is edge rushing the new wide receiver, you know, draft position for the Steelers, because it seems like they just keep producing guys that can, that can kill at that position. And it, it's been a big boost. So lots to say there. I wanted to ask you about other guys in this roster, Ray, you wrote about Calvin Austin in your, uh, in your who's rising and falling after the Steelers second preseason game article, as far as a player who's rising, can you explain it to, to us what you've seen from him that may, may give him more, more of a share of the Steelers targets this season than we thought coming into the year? Uh, big play capability um, against the Buccaneers. He got behind uh, the defense for, you know, a 67 yard touchdown. I get it. It wasn't against, starters but uh, he proved he can get behind NFL defensive backs and provide big plays and if you look at the punt return um, you know quality special teams plays splash plays for the Steelers on special teams it's been few and far between the last couple of years you know Gunnar Olszewski was okay last year kind of fell out of favor after that fumble against the Patriots they've just been searching for somebody at that position and uh, you know guys to flip the field so if he could do that in special teams and if he can be, um, you know, he's not going to run down the field and, and hit home runs every single play, but if he's that deep play threat for you once in a while, not only can he draw coverage and open things up for other people, but he can occasionally hit the big play. And then of course he could also be that short yardage traditional slot when they need it to listen. I'm not, I'm not saying he's your number three. He's not Allen Robinson has had a really good camp. He's entrenched as the number three, but when you're talking about that number four, that guy who can maybe play 15, 20 snaps, get you two or three catches, um, maybe break a big play in the return game. Uh, I, honestly, I think that's all you're looking for out of your number four. And I think 
Austin has nailed down that job pretty thoroughly here with his performance in training camp and most notably the preseason games. My last thing I want to ask you about here, Ray, is the backup center spot because Kendrick Green had a rough first preseason game and he had a rough second preseason game. Two bad snaps, uh, holding Mike Tomlin, calling it unacceptable when asked asked about it. How much longer is Kendrick Green going to be a stealer? Because at this rate, he didn't even dress for a single game last year. We all saw his rookie season. We've seen his training camp and his his preseason performances here. Is he long for the Steelers roster? Do they find a way to hold on to him? And what do you do at backup center? Is it Nate Herbig? Is it McCollum? Is it Spencer Anderson? Or should they go get somebody? Because if Mason Cold goes down, that's a huge hole in this roster right now. Yeah, I mean, we don't know the severity of Nate Herbig's shoulder injury. Um, listen, if he's healthy, he is your backup center. Nate Herbig is your backup center. What they were doing with Green and training camp, that was just to see if there was a reason to keep him uh, for a third season after drafting him in the third round. That's all that was about. They went out and got Nick Herbig to be your backup center and your back your, uh, backup guard, and uh, that's what he's going to be as long as he's healthy. The issue is, if Nate Herbig isn't healthy, um, what do you do then? Um, you know, McCollum is probably a practice squad player who you could elevate in an emergency, but the wild card is Spencer Anderson. Um, they've just started within the last week to take a look at Emmett Center, and I didn't go back and watch the tape yet, but from what I remember, he did okay when he was in there against the Bills um, on Saturday night when they – when he was playing center. So he's kind of like your new Chris Hubbard. He could play guard tackle and center. I think he's really valuable. Um, I think he's got a chance to stick on the 53 man roster, but to your bigger point, um, Kendrick green probably isn't going to be your backup center. I think in the end, they have to hope Nate Herbig is healthy for the opener and stays healthy throughout the season. I agree. It's going to be something to watch to see how that plays out and see how healthy her uh, her big the other Herbig, the older Herbig, actually is this this year. We'll talk about uh, how that progress is, goes as here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks, Ray, so, so much for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Check out all of our work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette at post-gazette.com, where you can get all of our written work. You can also find all of our podcasts and all of our video content right here on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app, however you, you listen to it. We still, even though training camp's over, we'll still be having all of our content coming to you. Steelers practice resumes Monday, today, and we, we have two practices to, that, that we'll be at where you can check out our reporting from. And then the Steelers have their final preseason game Thursday night where we get a final look at the, at the guys in the roster before August 29th comes, and the Steelers have to make their final cuts along with the NFL. Stay tuned with the North Shore Drive podcast to get all your updates, as well as the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll see you Wednesday for another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.